Good evening, good evening church and welcome to Living Hope. It's so good to see you out tonight. Um, church, you want to stand and we're going to worship God together.
moment we magnify and glorify your name. We glorify your name over every single circumstance, over every single situation that we are going through right now. And we magnify and proclaim the name of Jesus. When all I see is the battle, and you see my victory. Shadow, you win every battle, and nothing 
voice, I got these words. Let your praise be your weapon. Let your praise be your weapon. Whatever you're going through, let your praise and your worship be your weapon. So then when you're going through whatever you're going through, you can sing through the night and say, Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And do you know what? I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God no matter what's going through. So let's sing this again. Let's believe and declare that tonight. Um, and just believe it. Whatever you're going through, the battle belongs to God tonight. So when I fight, I'll fight on my I can feel the 
that you are with us in our fires, <laughs> that you are right by our side, standing right by our side. God, I pray as Pastor Reese comes to share from your word that we will just listen to what you have to say and we will just be encouraged by what you say through him tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team, for leading us in worship. Powerful are singing about the, the seasons of life that sometimes we go through, and we feel that things are against us. We feel like we are in the dark. We feel like we cannot see. There are times when we just come and we are tired and and, and God, well, he offers us something that the world cannot. He offers us a strength that the world simply doesn't possess. He offers us peace which cannot be found anywhere else. I don't know the season of life that you find yourself in. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know um, your situation. But I know a God that does. And he cares for you. You are here tonight on purpose. You're here not by accident. Church, I want to pray for a few people just before um, we begin to look at God's word together. I um, was asked to pray for Sharon's nephew tonight. Um, this guy is suffering with severe mental health issues. Um, his name's William, and so we're going to lift him up before the Lord. Um, you'll hear more about that circumstance on Tuesday night, I'm sure, as we pray together. But we're going to pray for him. Been asked to pray for Mary Shaw as well. Some people will know Mary. She's in hospital at the minute, and she's not having a good day. And so we're going to lift them up to God now. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are gathered in this place, that our doors are open. And God, we just ask that you would intervene in these circumstances. We ask for William, God. 
God, would, would your Holy Spirit move in that man's life, God? Would he, would he know the peace and comfort that only you can offer, God? I pray for his family as well, God. I pray for um, the believers in his family as they would witness to him, God. I pray, God, for that entire circumstance, the whole situation, God. And I ask that whatever would happen, God, would it glorify you? God, I pray for a resolution in the name of Jesus. And I ask, God, that, that as you move in that circumstance, would, would the family be so aware, would he be so aware that it is you who is moving? God, would, would you use this to your glory? God, we pray for Mary tonight as well, God. And we ask, God, that as, as she is in hospital, Lord, would your Holy Spirit move in her God would you speak to her would you would you say the things to her God the words that we cannot say to her God would you offer comfort and Lord in her body where there is weakness would you bring strength God we ask that you would heal this woman tonight God, would the miraculous take place in her life? I thank you that she knows you and that she loves you. And I pray, God, to say thank you that your word promises that you are her strength, that you're her stronghold, her strong tower. And God, we just ask that you would intervene in these circumstances tonight. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Church, that brings me on nicely to Tuesday night. A reminder that we gather together to pray. And we're going to do this every Tuesday, July and August, except for one Tuesday, at Tuesday the 12th. But every Tuesday, apart from that, we're going to gather and we're going to pray together. We're actually going to look at a series on prayer. We're going to do a study looking at different aspects of prayer. And this Tuesday night, we begin by looking at why do we pray. So I invite you to that. It begins at 7.30, half an hour earlier than it normally starts. So it's 7.30 on Tuesday night. And can I encourage you, this is for anybody. It's not age-restricted. It's not journey-restricted. It's for new believers. It's for those who have been on the road a long time. It's for everybody. And what we don't do is we don't make people pray out loud. We don't, we don't ask you to do something that you're not comfortable with. We just simply would love it if you were there, if you were one of our number. We believe in the power of prayer and we have a lot of things that we want to bring to God. We have lots of things to be thankful for as well, church. And and I want to give thanks for last Sunday night. Last Sunday night, we had our youth service. We raised money um, in order to take away the young people this summer. And church, we raised £1,217. Isn't that amazing? I can't tell you how far that goes. Um, I can only just say thank you, really. This, this, this money just helps us to bring away um, the young people to the different conferences and stuff that we're going to. And the impact of these things is just, do you know what? It's like it's eternal. God really moves in them, and we're believing that God will move um, in our young people's lives. That We'll see um, so many young people saved this summer through the conferences and stuff that we're going to. Church, we kicked off a new series this morning. This series is Highs and Lows. 
And really what that means for anybody who wasn't there this morning, all that simply means is we're going to take um, the month of July, possibly we'll go on a little bit, but we're going to look at some different people in the Bible and we're going to talk about their spiritually high moments, their, their successes in Christ, if you will, the things that they did that were just awesome moments of faith. We're going to look at different faith aspects of different characters, um, different people in the Bible. And we're also going to look at the lows as well. And what I mean by that is those times in their lives when perhaps they, they, they didn't act as they should, they didn't make the right decision, or perhaps as, as we'll see tonight in the life of Elijah, um, depression may set on these people. Um, they just go through different seasons in life as we do and so we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at the highs and lows in the life of different people in the Bible and so tonight we're looking at Elijah and I kind of said this morning when I was um, thinking about this standing there this morning it actually um, it, it encouraged me a wee bit to think that you know we were talking about men and women of faith and they, they're really pillars of faith. When we think of faith moments in the Bible, we think of these people. They are, they are the people that we talk about. They're our encouragement. But it's interesting that they have their moments as well. And you know what I mean by that? They, they have their low moments. They're not so great moments. And and to be honest, human nature just says that makes me feel a wee bit better about myself. And it does, and I don't, I, don't take, I don't take joy in anybody else's failures. It's just nice to know that we are not alone. That even those who have incredible faith, that do tremendous things for God, they too stumble. They too struggle. And we're going to read about those things over the next few weeks. Start, um, we started this morning with Moses and tonight we're going to look at the life of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet and he's one of the most interesting people in the Bible. And God used him during an incredibly important time in Israel's history. They were under um, what was what some describe as the most wicked king, the most wicked regime of all. And, and so Israel was a prophet during this time. During this time, he was to bring revival to the land. So he opposes this wicked king and he helps to bring revival to the land. Elijah's ministry marked the beginning of the end of Baal worship. And what I mean by that is Israel um, predominantly were worshipping a false god. And Elijah called that for what it was and we're going to read about that later on. But he pretty much his ministry it brings an end to this to the stature of Baal anyway. Elijah's life though apart from this, was also filled with turmoil. There's, there's times when he was bold and decisive, but there's other times when he was fearful and when he was tentative. He, he alternately demonstrates victory and defeat, followed by recovery. And we'll see how Elijah recovers as well. Elijah knew both the power of God 
and the depths of depression. He knew both of those things. So it's interesting to me that as, we, as we'll read later on, that somebody who can experience the power of God, who can see literal miracles happen in front of them throughout their ministry, throughout their lives, can still end up in a state of depression. How does that happen? It happens to Elijah. As I said, we're going to read about that. So we've chosen to look at his life because there's plenty of high points and there's some low points that we can discuss as well. And he's a prophet of God, yet his introduction is very, very sudden. We're going to read that in a second. It doesn't give us a mention of family or or um, who he was born to. As, as we hear about Moses this morning, we heard about his parents. It doesn't give us that with Elijah as he's introduced here. Just where he's from. And we first meet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. And it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Sherath, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Sherath, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Church, allow me to pray, and we'll begin to study God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for these great pillars of faith we thank you God that they are both an encouragement God and Lord we thank you that as we read God that our eyes are open to you God to what you want to say to us and God I pray that tonight as your word is studied God would you would you help us to to change our minds God but most importantly to shape our hearts Have us become more like your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is profitable for teaching. Thank you, God, that it is encouraging. Thank you, God, that it is challenging. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. I think those few verses are some introduction to anybody. Who is Elijah? Before this, there, there's not a mention, no idea. And then suddenly he stands in front of the most evil king that Israel had ever seen. All of a sudden he rises. He rises and he stands above He stands before this king. Not only does he stand in front of the ruler of Israel, but he stands there and he tells him, your land is about to become dry. And the reason being is that this is not your land. Your land is about to become dry because the Lord, my God, the true God of Israel has said so. 
See, God commands it and therefore it will be. It's not like the false gods that you're leading this nation to worship. What they say doesn't always come to be. But Elijah stands before the king and he says, this is going to be dry. This land is going to be dry. And it's going to be dry because God says so. What tremendous courage and faith to speak out, to speak up what God had spoken to him. Something that we aren't often great at. It's, it's difficult to do, to do what Elijah has done here to even those of no real earthly status. Even just to our neighbours, to those we encounter. It's, it's not always easy to tell people about God. Sometimes we're hesitant to do that. And I know sometimes we say, like, we, we don't want to shove it down people's throats or things, people say things like this. But there's nothing wrong with telling people where you have been or whose you are. Because the world is happy to tell you. They're happy to tell you what they believe or what they don't believe. But often we, we struggle at that. We're not great at that. Elijah's an incredible example here. Because as, as I say, this is his introduction. And he stands before the king. Church, faith lived out in action is obedience. We must do as God commands. We must do as the word tells us to do. And if we want to be obedient to God, then we need to simply tell people about him. Tell him about his plans. Tell him about, tell them, sorry, about his plans for the world. Tell people what it means to be known by him and to have eternity secured. I don't think sometimes we wrap our heads around that. That that we, when we encounter people, when we're having conversations, and and we tell them about our faith, and we tell them about our our church, or maybe maybe you're not part of this church and you go to another church, but you tell them about the great fellowship you have, and the life that you had before, and the life that you had now. There is absolutely power in your story, but it's also it's it's just interesting that we don't often talk about the things of eternity as well. This what we have. That will never run out. What we hold on to, we hold on to forever. This is not a temporary thing. And this is something that Elijah does with his ministry too. So yes, Elijah challenges Ahab, an evil king, the evil king who ruled the northern kingdom from 100, uh, sorry, 874 to 853 B.C., Elijah prophesies that a drought will come upon the whole land as consequence for Ahab's evil. And warned by God, Elijah, as we heard, he hides near the brook of Sherath where he is fed by ravens. That is unbelievable faith. Go out there with absolutely nothing but your faith in me. And I'll supply your every need. 
what would our response be if God wanted to take it all away? I'm not sure that's something we ask ourselves enough. But what would our response be if God wanted to remove it all? Do we trust him to supply our every need? Because he will. After a while the drought and the famine in the land deepen. And so the brook, it dries up. Nothing to drink from. Elijah then receives a word from God. He has to go elsewhere. So he goes to Seraphath, which he does. And then he meets with a widow there. And through her obedience, she listens to God also. Through her obedience to Elijah's request, God provides food enough for her, for him, and for her son as well. So he meets this widow who, who, who isn't really, um, she, she isn't somebody who is um, successful in an earthly sense. She doesn't have a whole lot. But she trusts that Elijah is a prophet of God. She shares with him what she has. And there is enough for them all. See, miraculously, the widow's barrel of flour and jar of oil, it never runs out. The Bible tells us that. First Kings tells us that. In chapter 17, and I'll, I'll be, I'll, if you read on, it'll tell you this story. See, all this lady had was a bit of flour and some oil. Her plan was to make her and her son one last meal. That's what she was going to do. One last meal with the little that she had left. And then after that, she didn't know where it's coming from. God had a different plan. And the only requirement was that she would trust him. Trust him with what little you have. Believe that he will supply your need. The lesson for the believer is that if we walk in fellowship with God and obey him, we will be open to his will. And when we are in God's will, he fulfills all of our needs. His mercy to us, it does not run short. It does not run out. Church, the safest place that you can ever be is in the will of God. Don't worry about the earthly things. You can't take them with you. The safest place that you can be is inside the will of God. It's not that this woman would never face trials again. Actually, immediately after this, she does the, the unimaginable. And it's not because she runs out of food or water. Her son, the Bible describes in 1 Kings 17, he becomes sick and he dies. So after this, after this incredible moment of supply and of faith, her son becomes sick and he dies. And it's like you, you read that and it's like, what does she do with this? What, what do we do with this? That doesn't seem like the outcome that God had planned. We never know the outcome, but what the Bible encourages us to do is encourages us to trust in God because 
So but because Elijah trusted in the word of God, he was there when he was supposed to be with this woman. He was fed and his need was supplied. And then he comes to this woman in this season of her life where her son would become sick and die. Because Elijah trusted in the word of God, he was there when he was supposed to be. Because the, this widow trusted in the word of God, Elijah was there when he was supposed to be. And so God uses Elijah to raise this woman's son from the dead. Because dead things are not always dead when we believe and trust in the God of eternal life. The, the Bible describes this, this boy is breathing his last breath. And yet God uses Elijah to raise this woman's son from the dead. If God has the power over life and death, on a human level, on the level of creation, then he has power over all of it, over everything. Nothing is outside of his power. Nothing is outside of his command. And there she presents her dead son to Elijah. And death is, all, is often supposed to be the end. Well, here is another reminder to us that, that it is not because God sends his son, Jesus, to die on the cross as well. But it doesn't end in death. Resurrection then comes. Jesus is then raised from the dead. And with that, he says, those who believe in me will never die. We will live forever. So we move on a bit through the story of Elijah. And as I said, there's tremendous moments of faith in this guy's life. And he comes to a face-off. After, after fleeing from the king, he gives, he gives this word to the king. Then he leaves at God's command as well. But then he returns because God tells him to. So he doesn't hesitate. He does as God says. And he comes to a face-off with the prophets of Baal. And not just a few. He challenges 450 prophets. So they call themselves prophets. That means that they are experts. That they are the ones who speak to Baal. They are the ones that the people look to as authority on their God. And Elijah comes face to face with 450 of them. To call down fire from heaven onto an altar the dead built. This is a challenge set before them. The prophets of Baal are told, call fire from heaven. There's 450 of you. Call fire from heaven onto this altar that you have built. And surely Baal will deliver it. So the prophets call upon their God all day long to rain fire. Church to no avail. All they needed was a spark. Think about that. Everything set up as it's supposed to be. Every other element, 
is there. They just need a spark. And it doesn't come. They get nothing. Then Elijah, he builds an altar of stones. He digs a ditch around it, again set up as it should be. Puts the sacrifice on top of the wood. Calls for water to be poured over his sacrifice three times. Pour water on it. Go again. One more. For good measure, Elijah calls upon God. God sends the fire down from heaven, burns the sacrifice, burns the wood and the stones and licks up the water that is in the ditch. God used Elijah to prove to Israel once again that he was the ultimate power, that he was more powerful than the false gods that they were building altars to. And just as God had promised after the victory that he had had in the land, and then again rain would fall. So not only has he done the miraculous in burning all of this up and, and bringing fire where it's supposed to be, where Elijah calls it to be, he then brings the rain to fall once again on the land. Why is it that God is continually proving himself? Time and time again to the people of Israel, he shows them that I am God, I am the one to be worshipped. And why is it that God, even today, continually proves himself to us? To us as believers, church, God gave us salvation. He gives us eternal life. He doesn't need to give us anything else. But church, his mercy is more. His grace is sufficient and it is endless. His blessings are new every single day. God gives and gives and gives. And why? Because he is the God of grace and of mercy. He is continually proving to us that he is still God. Often people say to us, God, church, load of rubbish. Here's where you'll find the answer. Come on, come on with me. i show you where you get it. Never mind all that stuff. They'll tell, you, they'll tell you that you can't do this and you can't do that and they'll take all your money and there's no point. See, everything else though, it, it proves to be futile. Yet God carries on proving that he is still the God of Israel, that he's the God who breathes life, that he is the provider, church, that he is the conqueror. God still continues to prove, to prove himself, to prove to us that he is Lord over all. Not that he has to, but he does. This series is highs and lows. And so we want, we, we want to see that even in the midst of incredible faith. Even in the midst of incredible steps of obedience. That there will be hardship. And we see that too in the life of Elijah here. 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die. Saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my father. In spite of victory, Elijah entered a period of wavering faith and depression. What had happened before this, what, what precedes this, is Ahab, this king that we had talked about, had told his wife Jezebel of God's incredible display of power. Rather than turn to God, she becomes angry and vows to kill Elijah. Hearing of this, Elijah fled to the wilderness where he prayed for God to take his life. But God, instead of taking his life, he provides it. God refreshes Elijah. He gives him food. He gives him drink. And he gives him sleep instead. Take everything else. Have it all. So then Elijah takes a 40-day journey to Mount Horeb. There, Elijah hid in a cave, still feeling sorry for himself. Even though God had provided all that he would need, he still feels sorry for himself and even confessing his belief that he alone was left of the prophets of God. It's then that the Lord instructed Elijah to stand on the mountain as the Lord passed by. So this is what he does. And there's a great wind, there is an earthquake, and then there's fire. But God was not in any of those we talk about God having power over the elements, and he absolutely does. The Bible describes it time and time again, how God commands these things to come, and he does. There's a great wind, there's an earthquake, there's fire. And God had already told him that he was going to pass by. So he comes and he sees all these things, but God isn't in any of them. Then the Bible describes... That then comes a still, small voice in which Elijah heard God and he understood him. God gave Elijah instructions for what to do next. And Elijah, this would include anointing Elisha to take his place as prophet and assuring that Elijah, that there was still 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed to Baal. Elijah, you are not alone. See, even in everything else, in every other way that God had proved himself, as, as Elijah himself is there, as God uses him to breathe life into a boy who is dead, as Elijah is there when God rains down fire from heaven, this incredible prophet, this incredible man of faith, he still has this moment. Church, we will have our moments, but God is there in the wind. He is there in, in the elements but when the time comes when we need it most in a still small voice he whispers 
and he says, you're not alone. He tells Elijah, 7,000 in Israel, Elijah, you're not alone. He, he's at his lowest. He feels completely dark. And God tells him, you're not alone. Following this, Elijah obeys God's command. Elisha becomes Elijah's assistant for some time and the two continued to deal with Ahab and Jezebel as well as Ahab's son and successor. And rather than die a natural death, Elijah was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. We read into the New Testament, John the Baptist's ministry was marked by, as Luke 1.17 describes, it was marked by the spirit and power of Elijah. Fulfilling a prophecy in Malachi which said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then James uses Elijah as an example of prayer. And we read these verses. In James 5, 17 and 18, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a person like you and, you and I. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. He says that Elijah was a human being. He was a man with a nature like ours. Yet he prayed that it would not rain and it didn't. Then he prayed that it would rain and it did. The power of prayer is in God and God is in the power of prayer, church. Not in our human nature, but in his divine power. Church, it may feel at times, it may at times feel like this is something that you could never do. These are things that we simply could not accomplish. God is showing you that this is not just for certain people. That, that he too wants to speak to you. And not just at any moment... Although he can and he does, his mercies, his blessings, they are new every day. God wants to speak to you at your lowest, in your darkest, and remind you that you are not alone. I hope that in God you find refuge. I hope that in his church you find comfort. I hope and pray that whatever it is you go through, whatever struggle you may face, I hope that you find peace in knowing whose you are. God is our strength. He is our fortress. He is our ultimate comfort. And he whispers to us and tells us we are not alone. Church, allow me to pray as the team come. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we are not 
alone. Thank you, God, that you are with us, that you are our strength. God, that you are our portion. And God, I pray that we would press on as your servants before us have. Would we press on in your supply, knowing that you meet the need and knowing that you are God. God, we place our trust in you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for a gathering of your people. Thank you for all of this. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Church, stand and sing our final song. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters and holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding what power set me free? There is a grave that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me. I can see and I can see the darkness bows to him I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between where's thin I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in nothing stands between us and nothing stands between i
Father, we thank you for time spent in your presence. We thank you that you are right beside us. You are right beside us, and we will be reminded that we are always enough. You are always with us, no matter what we go through. We thank you for the life of Elijah. We thank you for the highs and the lows. God, we thank you for what you did in his life. You just say you're so worthy of everything that we say and do. So worthy of it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.